Hey family, it's Pastor Travis, and I am so excited about this week's message. Listen, you need to turn up your phone, your car, however you're listening, because it's about to go down. I pray today you are inspired and that your faith is increased. If you want to partner with the awesome vision of Forward City Church, go now to forwardcity.tv slash give to get involved. Hey, I love you. Remember, your past is gone, your future is waiting. So prepare to move forward. Hallelujah. Somebody raise a hallelujah in this room. Somebody online raise a hallelujah in your room, in your secret place. Make his presence known. Usher and invite him in. Would somebody host his presence? Host his presence. Call on his name. Call on his name. Call on his name. Oh, Father, teach us how to wait. Sweet Jesus, teach us how to wait. Hide us under your wings, Daddy. Let us find refuge under your wings. You said your name is a strong tower, and the righteous run in and they are safe. Oh, hide us, God. Hide us in the secret place of the Most High God. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord God strong. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Father, we come for no other reason but to host your presence. We have no other agenda but to host your presence. Have your habitation here. Daddy, I don't want you to visit us. I ask that you would sit down in this place, that you would go to the four corners of the earth, and that you would go into their bedroom. You would go into their dorm room, that you would do it only you can, because when you come in a room, Everything changes. When you come in the room, you come in a room. Everything changes. Darkness backs up at your name. When you come your words in the room, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We call you Lord. We call you Savior. We call you Matchless. We call you Wonderful. God, teach us. Teach me how to Teach us how to win. Teach us how to wait. Teach us how to wait. There is a daughter out there that is at her end, that is desperate for you, that is hungry for you. She's tried everything else, God. She's tried everything else, God. She is crying now in desperation and asking you, teach her how to wait, God. Teach her how to know when you come in a room. That you are closer than a brother. Teach your God that you are our shield and your
you are a book, but you are everything we need, God. You're everything we need. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody give him glory in this place. Somebody give him glory. Oh, he's better than that. He's better than that. He's better than that. Somebody give him glory. Somebody give him glory. You're a miracle worker. You're a promise keeper. You are light in our darkness, Jesus. In the midst of a pandemic, you are still God. Somebody say he's still God. You're still God. He is still God. He is still on his throne, Keisha. He is still on his throne. We dethrone every other idol. We dethrone every other idol that cannot see and cannot hear. There is one true living God. There is one true He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no darkness in him. There's no God like him and not one beside him. He has no rival. He has no equal. God, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to host your presence. We give you glory in this place. I want y'all to bow your heads. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your move. I pray that you do what you want to do in here, God. You are the God that steps down into a situation and bring with you all power in your hand. Father, I empty myself as a vessel to be used. Use my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. Let me boldly proclaim the gospel that demons would back up, that darkness would flee, that your sons and daughters would be saved. Rabbi, see Oh, Holy Spirit, we are in a desperate time. And a desperate time calls for desperate measures. Oh, Father, move in this place. Move by your Spirit. Move by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Y'all go ahead and give them a praise. Y'all can go ahead and take your seats. God, we thank you for doing what you want to do. We thank you for doing what you want to do. Oh, God, you are strong. You are mighty. I came with a word on my heart today to encourage the heart of a hopeless, anxious, depressed generation. I want you to know that we are in one of the greatest moves of God that the earth has ever seen. You might see that 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 doesn't quite match up. You say that we're desperate and we're anxious, but we're in the greatest move of God. He says... You got to see what I'm doing behind the scenes. There's more going on than we see. The word, we're in a tent revival. We're in a tent revival. We've been praying for God to come to make things alive. And this word that he's just been speaking loud to me, the root of revival is revive. He says that I have come and coming back to awaken a sleeping generation. I am coming back to give strength, to give new life to things that were once dead. Dead relationships. Dead marriages. Dead purpose. People have given up on what the Father has already declared about 2020. He said, I am still God in the midst of a pandemic. I am still God in the midst of racial tension being at an all-time high. I call for revival, to revive a thing because desperate times call for desperate measures. 
in the moments in time where we find ourselves broken, dark, isolated. Oh, anybody over quarantine, where y'all at? God says, I step in best. I do some of my best work in the dark. Oh, let's talk about it. Genesis 1 and 2. He says in Genesis 1 and 2 that the earth was formless and without void. It was formless and without void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. And I don't know if anybody in here watched my message about empty spaces. But when God sees a dark void, empty space, it's a signal for him to step on into it. Tonight I really feel like in the midst of this tent revival, God is saying that I am looking for the dark, desperate, depressed, anxious spaces, spaces to step right into it and to bring new life, to awaken, to revive again. We sometimes think that revival is a bad thing, but sometimes he has to send things that he didn't cause, but that he will use on our behalf. He says that he'll work it all together for our good. And I have a saying that I love. That it ain't over till it's good. That's his word. He says that he makes all things work together for them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. I want somebody to say, I got godly purpose. God wants to step into our situations to revive them. The beautiful thing about this is, although we're in a hopeless, we're in a dark time, or that's what the world would say, looking with the natural eye. There are some people, there is a remnant, there is an army rising. That this, is, this desperation is leading us right to the place of victory. I told you that he does some of his best work in the dark. See, when they crucified our Savior, when they hung him high and stretched him wide, when they placed him on the cross, it looked like the end. It was one of the darkest times of our life. But it was the greatest setup for the biggest move of God we've ever seen. 2,000 years later, our life is still speaking of what he did on a dark day. He stepped in a tomb and he shined his marvelous light. He brought dead things back to life. And that is the declaration for tonight. He says that I want to give new life to dead things. I want to give new life to dead things. Robasi, I want you to tell somebody the topic of PJ's message is dead man walking. Oh yeah, I'm dead, but I'm still walking. So I had the privilege about three years ago to have this amazing woman that's in my life tell me this beautiful story that has been just carrying with me since she told me. About three years ago, my mother-in-law, who is also here and absolutely beautiful. Can we shout out my mama real quick? Mama Green in the house, and beside her is my beautiful mama. Y'all, God has just been doing, he's been doing an amazing thing as I was preparing this message. He said, you remember that word Mama Green told you? And I was like, I vaguely remember that God, but then he started replaying her words back in my head. And I want to tell you about this story. So there was some time ago in her life where she was kind of over life and it was kind of like one of those funny situations where money was acting funny and, you know, the earth seemed a little different and church folks were acting like church folks. They were quoting the scripture but not actually living it. They were Bible-toting and quoting, but it wasn't that they were living epistles read by men. And she was over it, declaring, God, there has to be more to this. There has to be more to life than this. A lot like the way the world looks right now. And God spoke to her. He gave her a word that is going to transform our life tonight. He told her 
to go to a cemetery. Dead man walking. Go to a cemetery. Right around the road from her house, frustrated, desperate, anxious, depressed, over the way the world looked and the way the world was shaping up to be. She obeyed the command of the Lord and she walked toward the cemetery. After she got there, God gave her an instruction. He said, scream as loud as you can, daughter. Get all the frustration out. And I know there's many of you watching right now that you might just want to scream out loud because you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You feel like life is over and everything is dark and bleak. He said, scream, daughter, scream. Without her might, she, she gathered up all the strength that she had and she began to scream out loud. And she stopped. And God said, Oh, no, 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 baby. You got more frustration than that. The world looks dark. It looks bleak. It looks void. Scream a little louder. And she ran back and she screamed again. On the third time, after following the same instruction, she screamed. And God said, baby girl, I got a question for you. Who did you disturb? She said, I didn't disturb anybody, God. Everybody here is dead. He said, exactly. You cannot disturb a dead man. You cannot bring disruption. You cannot bring anxiety. You cannot bring fear. You cannot bring torment to a dead man. A dead man doesn't have an agenda. A dead man doesn't have preferences. A dead man doesn't have his own way to live. Robot, see, he has laid his life down that he might pick up the life of someone that is greater than he. You cannot disturb a dead man. And I sense in the earth, and this is why I came to declare that the church is alive and well. Because I have been amongst some of the most influential people of our generation recently, and they are coming with a new fight. They are coming with a new desperation. They are coming with a new boldness. They are coming with a new transparency. They are coming with a new reckless abandonment and saying, Daddy, I lay it all down that I might pick up my life and live. I will not be disturbed by the winds and the waves of the world, but I'll be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm a dead man walking. We are transforming from being people that hear scriptures like 2 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians, it's 2 Chronicles. Um, it's 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. We are desperate enough to not just hear this word, but to actually start to allow Jesus to resurrect the praying church. We are going back to the old principles, but living in a whole new way, a whole new way of power. We are pushing back our plates, going on all liquid diets and pushing back our agendas and our motives because we recognize that the earth is formless and without void right now. And they need God to step on in and do what he did in the very beginning. He said it's not good enough. For us to settle anymore for playing church. Don't you know, sons and daughters, that you are the church? This is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. We are the church. We are Christ's body that he died for. And he is looking for us to rise again. Many of us are looking at dark financial situations. Dark marriages. 
dark relationships and we are so afraid. And I want you to understand something, that the Father, he's still sitting on the throne with all power in his hand. And he wants me to let you know that always after the darkness, there is always light. Weeping endures for a night, but oh, somebody say, there is joy coming in the morning. That on the darkest days, it is setting up for one of the brightest mornings you'll ever see. I want somebody to know, don't be afraid of the dark because it's a signal for your daddy to step right on in. Our desperation is leading to victory. I want you to tell somebody right beside you, the church is alive and well. The church is alive and well. Reestablishing fasting and reading the word. Not settling for our way, but picking up his way that we might live. We understand that revival comes in a desperate time to revive us, but we understand now that in order to cooperate, to partner with what God wants to do in the earth, we must first lay our life down to actually gain it. We have to lay it down. I want to read over you 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14 because I want you to understand that we are one body with many members. I want you to know that the reason I declare with power that the church is alive and well is because there is a remnant that is rising because they are first willing to die. They're slaying their motives, their agendas, their platforms, their likes, their Instagram posts. They are laying it down to pick back up the Bible, to pick back up the Word, to be able to speak the say of the Lord. See, what I've decided to declare in this time is that I won't worry about anything. Baby, I will pray about everything. And through, through prayer and supplication, I will make my request known unto Him. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving. I will enter His courts with praise. I've been reading word and Bible that teaches me that there are many times we're praying and we're praying, searching for God. Prayer is not, not used to search for God. You are to enter his presence and find him through thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, not through prayer. Have you thanked him the last time you went in your prayer closet? Have you already thanked him for what he already did? Somebody needs to have a mind to remember and a mouth to declare, thus saith the Lord. You've been wondering why you've been frustrated and the depression is louder than his life being lived through you. He says, enter my courts with thanksgiving. Enter my gates with praise. See, won't I step in and make myself alive again? Won't I let you focus on me? We are one body with many members. Tell somebody beside you, girl, play your part. Brother, play your part. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not the hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not the eye, would that make me any less a part of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? There are so many of us looking to our left and our right, getting on Instagram rather than going to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God has been on me about this. Before you go to Instagram to hear what they're saying about you, you need to go to the King of Kings to know what he has already declared. Because what I'll tell you is, going to Instagram might make you feel full, but it's a temporary satisfaction that will leave you empty and void every time. It'll never last the cross before us, the world behind us. This world has nothing for us. He says, 
we are many members of one body. We only have one agenda. We only have one agenda, and that is to proclaim the name of the Jesus. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? And the whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? This is the part I love. Verse 18 says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Did you hear me? The word says, I'm going to let Jesus' word preach to you. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. There are so many people in this time questioning, am I called? Am I chosen? Am I supposed to be on this job? Do I need to look like her? Do I need to be as skinny as her? Do I need to be as thick as her? Do I need to have my hair like her? Should I do this? Should I go back? And you're questioning everything that God has said about you. And I want you to know that a part of dying is a part of playing your part that he has ordained before the foundation of the world. When he formed you, he didn't guess about you. When he declared you before your mother's womb, he knew what he was created. He said that he has declared us to be prophets unto the nations. He wasn't guessing about you when he set you in your place in the body. The hard part, you have to lay down your preferences, your logic, your will, your what I think I should do, what I feel like I'm passionate about, what I feel like I'm called to, what I feel like I'm good at. Oh, they don't see me enough. That position is invisible enough. You got to lay your wheel down that you might pick up his like Jesus did. He says, in order to die and be resurrected in my life, you got to play your part. I wasn't guessing. I put you right where I wanted. Verse 19 says, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. <laughs> yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet. I don't need you. I want you to know that a part of laying down your life is recognizing that this is way bigger than you, baby. This is way bigger than you. There is a kingdom agenda on the line. Every time you second guess what the Father has declared about you, this is why it's so important for you to go to the Father, for him to give you this day your daily bread, that he might remind you, because the word talks about that his instruction is life. And if you are not living to find his instruction, you have no life. I've been talking about being dead, but death to your life is life to his. There is a difference in living your own way and dying that you might pick up your life in Christ and live. He said, play your part. Play your part. Understand that I need you and you need me. And us all getting in our position, understanding that he wasn't guessing about the part he set us in to play, allows us to put down our life that we might pick up our life in Christ. Because Crystal, I need you. I need you to sing the song of the Lord. I need you to prophesy. I need you to rise with the muzzle off your mouth and speak what thus saith the Lord. Because my life might depend on the word that's in your belly. So many of us are sitting at home afraid and scared and not speaking when he's declared for us to speak. We're on, a, we're on an instrument, but he has called us to step up and give the word of the Lord. 
we settled for this safe box that the other people of the world have said we've been called for when there is so much more in you. He said, pick up your whole life. Do you know he said that I died that you might have life and life more abundantly? He didn't come from no pity patty, old settling, old secondary, regular old life. He came that we might have it and have it more abundantly. I'm talking about everything dripping. I'm talking about everything dripping. Ron, when you step into a place, you should bring revival with you. You should be able to step into a place and everything that is dead around you come to life. Because that's what's flowing on the inside of you. But I'll tell you the truth, and this is why it's so imperative that we die. You can't give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. It is so important that we get in God, into the body of Christ, play our part that we might be a part of his ability to advance the kingdom. He says, play your part. And the thing that I thought was funny about this is 1 Corinthians 12 comes right before Jesus Mazer dissertation in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. This whole thing about I need you, you need me. We're all a part of one big family. Like, understand who you are. Take your rightful place. And I am able to do what I want to do. Because to the Father, this is what it really means to love. This is what it really means. It's not about your song or your dance. It's about, will I lay down my preferences so that somebody else can find real life in him? Would I sing the song that he told me to sing? Because there might be somebody listening and waiting for that melody to hit some broken place in their spirit, man, that without your voice, they would not hear. This is real love. This is real love to lay down one life for a greater good. You know who did it first. A great example. It was one man that took one death that paid for our sins once and for all. He lived the perfect life and died the worst death. But he did it so that you and you and you and you and you could have life and life more abundantly. He counted his life not precious, but he gave it, laid it down that he might rise and allow us to live within him that we might have new life. The second thing that I want you to understand in this life of being a dead man walking is that the greatest act or demonstration of our love is to lay down one's life for friends. Y'all didn't hear me yet. John 15 and 13 says this, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Friends in every translation is plural. In every translation, he talks about one life for many. In every translation, he says, the greatest demonstration of your love, Keisha, is not your love song or your love note. It's to lay down your preferences, to lay down your agenda, to lay down your way that somebody else's life might be able to come to life. And the reality that he talks about one person. He talks about Jackie, one girl laying down one life for multiple people. It means that it has to be a continual act. I can't just die one day and think I'm all good. He says that every day you wake up, you should be looking to lay your down, your life down out like a drink offering. You should lay it down over and over and over again. No greater love is than this. That you would lay your one life down. That every friend that you call a friend in this body that has multiple members might be able to pick up their life and live. He's looking for a continual display of God's reflection in us. He is the first example 
of what it, excuse me, of what it looks like to actually lay your life down to actually live. And what I want to do, because see, I don't think we do this enough. We don't take an opportunity. I told you, you enter his presence with thanksgiving. We need to take a moment to thank God for the people that went before us that made a decision to be a part of a body but to lay their life down that we might come to live. There were people that decided that I know I want to sleep but I got to get up and pray. There were people that said I want to eat but I must fast. There were people that said I know I got to wait and I want to live but daddy I decide to lay down that Shireen might get up and know who she is in Jesus. That Lydia might be able to rise with power to know that she is fearfully and wonderfully made that you online might have a right that's what I said before I walked up here daddy I want to be a dead man walking the cross before me and the world behind me I don't have a reputation this is all for you this is all about you and about my friends that you are asking me to lay my life down for the single mama I died for that one the anxious boss, I died for that one. We need to give God praise for the people that went before us and died for us. They laid their life down over and over. They called on the name of Jesus. They grabbed a hold to the altar and they kept praying until we came to know who and whose we were in Jesus. This is the charge. This is the challenge of revival that Jesus might make us alive in him after we made a decision to die first, to die not just die one time, but to die daily. He says, I'm there for the one betrayed friend. I recognize what it actually means to truly love because of looking at what my daddy did over 2,000 years ago. He's not asking us to do something he never did. He said, step into my footsteps. All you got to do is walk and step with me. Look at what I did for you. So many of us are having a hard time forgiving and letting go and, and, and putting behind us when that's all he did for us. He said, I covered your sins once and for all. I laid my life down that you might have life and life more abundantly. Would you make the same choice and actually lose your life to gain it? I want to tell you the last thing that God uses as a criteria to actually be a dead man walking. The book of Luke 9, 23-25 says, Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you may, you must give up your way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, y'all hear me. If you try to hang on to your ugly, raggedy, halfway settling, broke down life, you will lose it. This is what the word says. This is not what PJ says. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Everything in the kingdom is reversed. We think today that if we hold it, we have it. He says, if you hold it, you lose it. But if you give it, I give it back better. I give it back better. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself lost or destroyed? God tonight wanted us to really understand what it means to live a life of being revived. What it means to really live a life of following after Jesus. Not just talking about it. Not just quoting scriptures that we don't even really understand the context of. We've heard so many times tell it, the greatest love is this, then lay down one's life for a friend. But every time we have an opportunity to lay our pride down, we say, oh no, she deserved that. Or oh no, I was right. Or oh no, they ain't good enough for that. You, did you hear what they did to me, daddy? And he takes you back to the cemetery. 
He takes you back to the cemetery to do a little bit of walking. And he reminds you that a dead man is never disturbed. If you are still having a hard time with the fence, if you are still having a hard time putting your purification on the altar, if you're still having a hard time letting God do what he wants to do in your life and not being so stuck to your vision board, your timeline, your way, your job that you feel like is your supplier, I know that there is only one Jehovah Jireh. He says, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily and the beautiful thing that I actually read in commentary is to the Jews this would have been like one of the one thing that they couldn't even hardly wrap their mind around the symbol of the cross was a symbol of humiliation it was a symbol of torture that the Romans brought to being and the reality that God says to us that in order to lose your life and follow him that you have to pick up something that's humiliating something that was shameful something that was bloody something that was dark something that wasn't gonna get instagram likes something that was gonna be fought against something that was gonna be doubted something that was gonna be breaking to your body to follow him you have to really understand what it truly means to be like jesus we say we're christians but are you really christ-like do you really want to walk in the way of christ he says in order to gain your life, you must first lose it. This whole text of understanding that we have to lay our life down. He says in order to follow me, not to walk ahead of me because we do that all the time, babe. We step out there and then we ask him to bless it. He says, in order to follow me, pick that cross back up and remember what I had to suffer. Remember the way I was persecuted. Remember the way I was beaten. And it will bring you back to the place of humility. It will bring you back to the place of repentance. It will bring you back to the place of prayer. And you will remember what it's really like to follow after me. This whole understanding of revival and losing my life to gain it gave me a totally different perspective of Romans 12 and 1. That we must present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto him. He says, this is our reasonable service. I want to read what else it says. It says, this is our true and proper worship. In westernized Christianity, we believe it's the raising of our hands that is worship. We believe that it's our shout and our dance that's worship. We believe that God is actually tricked to believe that we're actually willing to lay our life down because we shout about it or we sing the song, I raise a hallelujah. He says, living your life as a living sacrifice, the conundrum between being a living martyr, to give up your life, to actually live in him, to be dead but alive, is only something that Jesus could do. To present it as a living sacrifice, understanding the consequences that you are signing up and committing to daily. I started thinking about Esther. Esther, she had a group of people, you know, she had a group of people, and I'll actually read. It's extra, Esther 4 and 6. It says that as she was getting ready to stand on behalf of a people that are part of one body, she's fighting on behalf of the Jews. And her uncle Mordecai tells her, baby, for such a time as this, maybe you've become queen to be able to live in this way. Maybe you've been set in a specific position in the body at an appointed time to do an appointed thing. And at first she was like, 
Hold on, hold on, God. Mordecai, don't you know that if I go before the king without permission, I'll die? And so many times in life, we're looking at so many hypotheticals and what ifs and what the consequences look like. Not recognizing that this is the whole reason we've been given breath in our lungs. This is our part to play. That if we don't rise up and be like Esther in Esther 4 and 6, who says, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. The call tonight is for us to give up our life by any means necessary. Because the reality is, is we're in a desperate time where lives depend on us being able to lay our life down. Even if it costs us our life, even if it costs us our job, even if it costs us our reputation, our agenda, our will, our way. Daddy, can this cup pass from me? He says, not mine will, but thine will. It wasn't fear that made Jesus say that. It wasn't fear that made Esther bring to her, her uncle's attention what was on the line. She understood full well. He understood full, full well what it was going to take to actually give life. She was going to have to first give hers. It's the call tonight. He's saying, Ron, enough living for you. Enough of your way. Travis, enough having the way you think it's supposed to go. Would you bring together a group of radical people, some crazy people, and give your life that they might have it? If I die, I must die. I have been raised as a voice for this generation to be able to give my life that other people might live. I recognize that I have a role to play in this body. And there's only one, one goal, one agenda, one thing, and that is to see the kingdom of light advance. That's only one goal, one agenda, one thing that he wants to do. And we recognize that just like Jesus, who paid the greatest price to show us the greatest amount of love, that there is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life that other friends might live. I want you standing all over this room, whether you're in your room or you're by yourself. God, we want to give our lives that others might live. We recognize God that dead men aren't disturbed. That you called us, Father, to lose our life, to gain it, to be crucified with Christ, so it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That I live my life in the flesh by faith, God. That you might be able to get out of my life everything you desire. There is a person on the other side of this screen. There's a person in this room that is so in desperate need of some other people that are further along in the faith, that are stronger in their devotion to get over their life, to give up on him, that they might find life as a result of us giving ours. We pray this prayer, God, that you would take our life, kill us more, that we might live more. We're asking for your move. We want to be revived in you. We don't want to live but not really gain anything. We want your whole life to be made present in us. In Jesus' name.
there's somebody watching on live right now that is so overwhelmed that is so desperate for a new way and God is inviting you to give up on the life that you've been living the desperate anxious fearful life that you might find abundant life in him oh God we ask you to come into our life and have your way let's lift up the song of the Lord Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to commit your life to Jesus, pray this simple prayer with me. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you got up so that I don't have to stay down. Come into my heart. Change me from the inside out. Now I am saved forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed this prayer for the first time or if you rededicated your life, I am so very proud of you and you are not alone. Head over now to forwardcity.tv slash brand new. Remember that your past is gone, your future's waiting. So move forward. I love you.